2: we're back at the two-minute round at our new home here at blocktalkradio.com forward slash two-minute round. Your hooks and jabs look at the female fight world. I am Felipe Leon, and together and with me for the first time in a long time, Miss Elena (laughs) Babydoll-Reed.
0: Thank you. Very happy to be back.
2: Very happy to be back, Elena, calling us from 120 Degree Phoenix, Arizona, and, like always, our co-host, the man of the hour, the only guy that, that knows everything about female boxing, David Avila. <laughs> uh,
1: thank you very much. Hi, how are you doing?
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to be back on the two-minute round. You're hooked to just look at their all-female boxing world here at our now completely uh, our show here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash two minute round. If you want to give us a call and join us and talk about all things female boxing for the last couple of about a month and a half. We haven't been on, but we're back on. We're going to talk about all the big fights that have happened since mid May and what's coming up in the next couple of weeks. And also uh, we're going to have a very, very special guest. The legendary Terry Moss is going to be with us in about 15 to 20 minutes to talk about her new venture in the boxing world. She's done it all. I was actually pretty impressed. Obviously, we all know who Terry Moss is. She's a, uh, she's a member of the International Female Boxing Hall of Fame, which Miss uh, Sue Fox runs, and she was inducted last year. And, uh, but she's not only fought inside a boxing ring, she's fought inside a cage like our very own Elena baby doll Reed has done in the past. But she's also done a bunch of other stuff, which we're going to talk to her about in about 15 to 20 minutes. You want to give us a call and join us here on the two-minute round. You sure can at 323-580-5735. Again, it's 323-580-5735. But uh, before we get to Terry Moss, who should be calling in in about 10 minutes, let's get started with our fight rewind and see what has been going on in the female fight world in the last uh about a month and a half. We're only gonna hit the big, big fights because obviously there's been a lot of action and we just wouldn't have the time to uh do it here. But starting on Saturday, May thirteenth from Zapopan, Mexico, promising the Pueblo on Televisa on the biggest terrestrial T V network in Mexico gave us Jessica Laquica Chavez scoring a unanimous decision over Ana Arrazola in a 10 rounder for the 112 pounds WBC flyweight title. This was the semifinal of that diamond WBC title tournament scores. There were 99, 91, 98, 92 and 97, 93. And despite Ana Arrazola being a very uh, experienced fighter, she's fought everybody. She's fought outside of the country. Um, She looked very, very uh, – not amateurish, but she really looked out of her element against Tika Chavez, uh, David.
1: Yes, uh, Jessica's a very uh, good-skilled boxer, and that's exactly the type of uh, fighter you need to be to beat uh, Arasola. She's a tough girl. Lefty comes forward, and she's kind of awkward, but if you're a good boxer, as uh, Jessica Chavez is, uh, she's able to handle her.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, Ana Razola, even though when she does face good-skilled fighters, she, she comes up short. But when she when it's about coming forward and, and taking a fight to somebody who's not ready for her, she beats them like she did with Raja Amache. Uh, was it last year? I think it was last year where she kind of – yeah, it was the first fight, her first fight of the tournament, and she ended up going over to Austria and pulling up the upset. Yeah,
1: that was an amazing upset, Dad. Did
2: you get to see that, Elena? Mm, Elena. Sorry, Uh, I had had the wrong uh, one.
0: Yeah, you know what? I I didn't get to see it, and um, I read all about it, and I definitely, um, um, like, researched it as much as I could because it was a very exciting fight, but just with my disability of time at the moment, (laughs) I haven't got to watch too many fights.
2: Mm. Now, that being the semifinal of the tournament, the other semifinalist, well, actually, Jessica Chavez moved up as expected to the final, and the other finalist is none other than an Esmeralda La Joya Moreno, who defeated Ibella Roca Zamora for the 108-pound WBC title. Um, pop, pop, pop. That was in April, and she ended up – so now the, the final of the tournament is a rematch of quite possibly uh, the best fight of the year for 2016, at least for – for us, which we gave out that award at the end of the year um, to the first fight between Jessica Kika Chavez, or was it their second fight? Jessica Kika Chavez against Esmeralda Moreno and they're going to be facing each other again um, in August. It, it, they're saying that that fight's going to be the rematch.
1: Yeah, that makes and it's, a very... I mean, it, it, it seems that um, what I has changed up her style a little bit, too, and it's uh, worked very well for her. She seems to be boxing a little bit more, brawling a little bit less, and her timing uh, has gotten much better.
2: Yeah, so we're going to see in August who ends up being the finalist of, well, actually, the champion, the diamond champion of that tournament, which began in the fall of last year. And obviously, not only are we going to be very uh, interested in who ends up winning that fight, but also a couple other people, actually, one more person which we're going to touch on in a couple of minutes while we get to that fight result in our list. On the same night on May 13th, speaking of upsets, uh, Sulina Munoz, the, the, the former WBC 115-pound champion who was making her 10th defense of her title, ends up getting upset by none other than Guadalupe Martinez in a 10-rounder. It was a unanimous, actually it was a majority decision. Two of the judges started 95-93, for uh, Martinez, and then one of the third judge started an even um, 96-96. Nobody expected this result here. Munoz had been very strong, quite possibly uh, the most solid Mexican world champion up to this point, uh, active world champion, and she ended up losing to somebody who, quite frankly, is not a super flyweight, David. What did you think of that fight?
1: Uh, it's funny, but that was the first time Selena. Uh, Selena seemed off. She seemed a little slower. She seemed sluggish, and she just wasn't there. She wasn't one hundred percent. In my estimation, maybe it's the weight. Maybe it's Kai's catching up.
2: I agree with you, Nelena, A question for you: You being the only one that's actually got into the ring between uh, uh, from us three and actually got punched in the face. Um, what? What? I don't know if you've been on either side or on both sides on different occasions, but I've, I've seen, we've seen it in not only the female boxing world, but also in, in male boxing where you could be a good fighter on paper. You're probably better than your opponent, but you have that off night, like David was mentioning. And then your opponent quite possibly has the best fighter of, of her life in this case, right? With Guadalupe Martinez, she looked very determined. She did all the right things. She highly pressured uh la loba muñoz in this fight or with like david saying and i agree muñoz had an off night what do you think that happens how does that happen what has been your experience with that kind of uh situation
0: um, well i mean this is the thing right when it comes to fights or anything in life there's going to be so many factors that can go into that um and whether you're sluggish because maybe you lost too much weight before the fight, or you're not feeling well, or maybe you overtrain, there's like so many things that can go into it. You really, it's um just experience, right? And and learning not to have to lose too much weight, or learning how not to overtrain. But um really, like your, most of your career, you're going to be learning those lessons because it's all about learning how to be your very best at night, and it's, um, you know, called that pyramid, like where you're you're peaking right for your fight. So whether it's in her head or it's something physical, there's so many things, so you really can't um, say that it's one thing unless you're asking the person, and they might not even know. They might think it's, you know, a bunch of different things. But that's really, um, I guess, one of the exciting things about fights because it really is difficult for any athlete, especially boxers, you're the only one out there, so how to be best Like mentally prepared and also physically and that's a really tough thing to do and it it
2: shows. Now Elena, you you mentioned peaking and we've heard that in sports before, in all sports, but but a lot in boxing or in combat sports where you actually um, go into a training camp for anywhere from six to eight weeks quite possibly sometimes longer or shorter depending on Mm -hmm. how much time you have and You look to peak so that when you go into that ring, that fight night, you're at your best, uh, best moment in your, in your training. But I mean, it's not an exact science. So in your case, with your experience, how did you, how did you determine that you were quote unquote peaking at the point of a fight night?
0: Well, of course, you know, I had to have trust in my trainers when I was um, fighting for those world titles because there was a lot of um, learning before that point. But um, it's a science, just like it's a science of boxing, if there's a science of training, and that's, um, you know, and when what makes it really tough in boxing is that your weight is also involved. So you have to also make sure not only that physically you're at your best and you're going to perform your best, but you also have to make sure that you're going to be the right weight, And it's a really fine balance. Uh, and I could talk about this for a very long time, but a lot of it, you know, you start off um, when you start training, you're, you're really getting in shape, right? You're getting in shape. Your diet really starts at that point. So whether that's six to eight weeks or longer that you're dieting um, for a certain weight, but um, you've got to start off, you got to know how many rounds are coming into play, um, And you don't want to burn yourself out. So you don't want to, like, start off where you're working out too hard. Um, But usually you you gauge into, I guess, training for a fight, and then you get to where you're, like, in the best shape. And then that week to two weeks before a fight, you're starting to taper down. Especially the week before a fight, um, you really don't want to be too sore. Um, So that's really where you're just, like, doing mitts, and you're not doing anything to where it's going to affect the fight. Does that makes sense Interesting.
2: No, it does. <laughs> David, any thoughts on, on what you've learned in your, you know, I'm not going to say how many years in boxing, but uh, <laughs> regarding, regarding many, that many. point?
1: Dick Dick. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's a, You know, it's one of those things. It is a science, like Elena said, and everybody has their own little tweaks and, and adjustments. And, uh, I mean, the old days of uh, training um, were they basically fought every week, so they didn't really train. They just stayed at their weight. Those days are gone. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now they take well, like and a all, month, And you see months.
0: why those days are gone, and and it's um it's really a tough thing on a body. Like you know um they talk about you feel like you've been hit by a truck after a fight. Like it's physically a really difficult thing to be out there fighting. And it's, it's not healthy. And I'm sure, but back in the day, like you're saying, I'm sure they fought a lot closer to where they were walking around at because they were fighting so much. That right. doesn't happen anymore, I'm sure. But, you know, we, people are fighting like 15, 20 pounds lighter than what they walk around at. And that's pretty normal.
1: Now, you know that there is a movement. There is a movement to have a same day weigh ins.
0: Mm-hmm. I ha- I've seen that and there's so- even some belts where they actually make them weigh in again the morning of the fight and I know that's yeah, definitely like has been around for a long time
2: mm-hmm. yeah the, the IBF does that now Elena you, you've been out of the ring for, qu- for quite some time but and we have tried to convince you to go back in the ring but uh, you know we're still <laughs> working on that but you you as a fighter do you think you would have benefited or did you or do you think it would have been not as good for you if you would have if you
0: would have had a same day weigh in. Um, honestly, I was the one dieting always. I'm short and stocky, so it was important for me to be um, leaner. So I um, I liked the the 24 hours. Um, it just always made me feel better, and there was a science. I was dieting way out, um, and I didn't have a huge amateur career, so I really didn't have much experience as far as weighing in the same day. So I'll always say I really like the 24 hours before, and that's just what I was used to. But I'm not against, okay. I'm not against the morning of, because obviously you would think that that would keep people more honest and closer to the weight, but I don't think it would. I think people would just be killing themselves, and they just wouldn't have as much time to rehydrate before the fight. So I think that's what would happen.
2: Now, the same night mm-hmm. as that, Selena Munoz uh, up say uh, and... I spoke to my contact at Sanford Promotions, who is the uh, promoter of Selena Munoz. There are strong rumors. There's st- not rumors, possibilities that there will be a rematch between her and Guadalupe Martinez in August. So I think they're just trying to pin down the date. And uh, that is happening uh, uh, this uh, this, uh uh, hopefully this August. So the same day, Coliseos, from, from Puerto Rico at the Samuel Rodriguez, and it was on DirecTV here in the, in the United States, you could actually purchase a, a low-cost pay-per-view. Um, Cindy Serrano scored a unanimous decision. The sister, Amanda Serrano, and the current WBO featherweight champion scored a unanimous decision over Paola Torres a, in a 10-rounder, scores there were 97, 93, three times, or so the dominating performance by Cindy Serrano. David, have you heard what's next for her? She doesn't fight as, as often as her sister, Amanda. Uh, do you know if there's plans of her facing uh, a bigger name in the near future?
1: Uh, no, I'm not sure. I haven't heard of anything. I do know that uh, uh, um, Amanda is fighting on the uh, end of uh, July, and uh, it's quite possible that Sydney might be put on that same card. But there, there hasn't been any kind of verification.
2: Okay, well, now we're going to take a pause in our fight review because it looks like with us now on the line is none other than International Female Hall of Famer, Miss Terry Moss. Let me patch her in. Miss Moss, is that you? Hey, how
3: are you doing? That's me. Nice to, nice to talk to you.
2: Thank you, Ms. Moss. Thank you for joining us here on the Two Minute Round, your hooks and jabs look at the female fight world here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash Two Minute Round. Uh, Terry Moss, a legendary figure in the female boxing world. Obviously, we're going to hear all about it. We're going to hear about her new plan, uh, what she's getting into next. So with that said, let me pass the baton to Elena Baby Doll reed Elena? Um, terry it's great to have you. Um and I
0: thank God for because it's a great way <laughs> I get to see all the things yeah, you're doing. Right. Obviously you yeah, you've had your hands in, in boxing for quite a while. Um and not only you know, you had a great career and now you're being part of um a lot of other people's careers and so it's really nice to see that you've turned that passion and you're continuing with it in other ways. Um and you know, I would just love to and like we talked about I would just love to hear what you're into next because it seems like you're always into um, you know, something big in boxing so I would
3: I would love to hear what you have coming up. Oh, thank you so much. And It's a pleasure to talk to you because I've followed your career your whole time. <laughs> I oh, really really enjoyed your fights. Yeah, followed you. Um, well, I mean, it's a pleasure to even be, you know, still in, involved in boxing, but honestly for me, Alina it was it was nice nice that I could even be involved because I started, you know, a lot older than an average person. So, um, considering I've been able to do this much, it's been, you know, what a ride. So <laughs> um, I I think my excitement for the sport and how much I love it is what keeps me going. So, um it's easy, you know, for me to to always still have have the mindset of, of a fighter trying to reach that title. I'm just as hungry to do something more and something new and something bigger and you know, something else. So, um it kind of makes it easy to keep going forward. But yeah, we've got, um, I've been promoting shows and I have a gym in Atlanta and I've got a pretty big stable of fighters and, um, men and women, um, more men than women. I never thought I would be like that. I used to train only females. So, um, but I've had such a good response and we've got such a great team. Um, you know, I've got about five of them ready to go pro. So I thought, "Mm, I might as well (laughs) move forward because, uh, Uh, Like I said, I've been doing shows now for, uh, well, since 2010 I started promoting shows, and it's time to go into the pros. I've been doing high-end boxing shows for quite a while. Um, This is actually a great show, but the production is smaller than some of the other shows I've done, so um, I think it's a a good start to get in there, but we've got some great fights on the lineup, and I don't really know what else to say.
0: question for you and um so i'm i'm with the ymca and there's a lot of things i do with sports but boxing of course is why i came to the ymca and then the area that i came to is a low poverty area um which of course right is a perfect place for boxing because boxing is about getting kids off the streets um and one thing um as a female is i've definitely never let it stop me and i see that you don't want to stop you but there's a lot of males and um you know a lot of people just feel like for their sons and stuff that they, they wish for a male coach. Like how do you overcome that as far as and you're not even you're a female but you're beautiful and you're not you're not a big female, right? Like we're not the biggest no, people in the I, world. I, so how do you overcome
3: all that? And um you know, I would love to hear your take on that. Right. Well it was it was a little tough in the beginning. I wasn't sure how well received I'd be and there you know I am I'm five two, I was a straw weight and I weigh about hundred and seven right now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so you know
3: you got to tell these light heavies how to how to fight somebody. You know they got to be able to they've got to be able to you know sidestep the ego. But I mean I think part of it is just my demeanor in the gym. They know that I'm I'm nobody's fool, and they um you know they respond very well. There are some men that just cannot have a woman trainer, and um, if yeah, that's the case, sure. then you know you know there's plenty of guys out there for you to move on to. So, um, but I know right women. Away, You know not all women can have a woman yeah. trainer either. So. Yeah, <laughs> you're absolutely right about that. I, I had one female that had trouble with that, a woman trainer. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's all about, you know, how well they can receive your personality and the truth is, you know, and, and we know it in boxing, uh, you know, it's the relationship that the trainer has with the fighter that really makes them win. So they've got to be able to connect with me. And if they can't, then, you know, I'll tell them the truth and hopefully they tell me the truth and we can, you know, wish each other the best of luck, but, but it's rare that that happens. I mean, it's, a few guys, it takes them a minute to get used to uh, used to me, but I'm pretty bossy in the gym, so I don't have much trouble with it. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's definitely a challenge at times, you know. And in the sport more, Elena, is like, um, you know, other male coaches. That's probably where I get the most flack, especially if they're a little bit older. You know, they're like, yeah, let's see what this girl's going to do. Let's see. But um, yeah. I haven't had trouble getting their respect at this point, but earlier on, I did, you know, so I think maybe they can feel the confidence that I have and the confidence that my fighters have in me and the respect that they have, and I think that, you know, that kind well, of is an down. air that we have together, yeah, so it, 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 you know, it puts a message out there.
0: Yeah, no, um, you know, one thing I, I love to see, especially on Facebook and on um, like i said you know we're all so busy so sometimes we don't have time to see messages but i still feel like i'm to be part right. of your life by seeing kind of all your posts um and so i'm glad i'm talking to you now but i i do i see you with a bunch of like heavyweights and guys and i i love that because that is one thing for me um and i do i have a lot of kids and um adults and males and and like you said, you know, most of them, it's no problem. And um, you just have to go, I think, in there with that confidence. And obviously, we, we know a lot. So we have that. You know, we have right. everything to back up, whatever it is we're coaching. And it's not like people can't just Google us, you know.
3: Right. <laughs> um, it, right. it
0: is what we did, which also helps. Mm-hmm. Um but it's still always something as a female, whether it be from when we were fighting, going into a gym, and everyone, um, which made it kind of fun. But everyone, they never thought that you'd be able to hang with their um, their male boxers, and, you know, we always did. And so it's kind of the same thing as a coach. And so I just like, and I'm glad that you're talking, and it's always nice to hear someone else's take, because as a coach going into that, I don't want to have. I don't have bravado, and I don't think I'm the greatest thing in the world. But I know I can help people. But how do you get that across to you know these males and um and also not just the males that you're training, but their their parents or their family or, or anyone. Um, and so that's just
3: something mm-hmm. that I deal with kind of on a daily basis right now. Sure, sure. Especially when you train kids, you know, it's it's different. Most of the kids yeah. that I train are are young, you know, teenage boys that are like fifteen, sixteen. Um, So one of the things that I do is I just let them be men in the gym, so they can be. I mean, sometimes it gets weird, <laughs> but that's okay because I think it's funny. But uh, somebody else might take it a little uh, less <laughs> lightheartedly. But I mean, they they say they very you know. I, I I'm as bad as they are, so I, I just let them be men in the gym, and they can be raunchy. I don't even care. <laughs> but so uh, yeah, part of it is I don't I don't make them you know t- talk different because I'm in there or behave differently. I mean, I'm just really kind of. You know not that I'm one of the guys because I'm definitely not but but they also know that they can have they their can male be, you, know, yeah. you know they can do whatever they want you know they're they're men be men, you know I don't care so um in fact, I want them to be because they need that in the fight game, so i I encourage that you know actually but um it is it's definitely difficult and and with young boys i i think especially if you're training you know kids that that they, that definitely um you know they need something they need kind of a male figure and a male ro- role that's gonna, you know, step down on them a little bit and make them, make them behave, you know. So I'm, um, I'm gonna admit, I'm not the best at that. I'm more like the one they will get probably, get to grow their male hormones around. But, but they have a certain <laughs> place that they know that they have to behave, you know. Like you, and 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 they, it, it comes down when you, you get to the part about honor and integrity and all that stuff. So, um, but it's it's been an experience. It's definitely been a life changing experience.
0: Um, And, you know, I know we're um, all talking, and I always hog when I'm on, which is funny, so please, anyone, feel free to talk, and I don't want to hog, but um, I'm sure you watched this past fight, I don't think, it wasn't, was it the UFC? Yeah, it was UFC, right? Um, And so we had one of our fellow right fighters, hardy fighting and she got that knockout um, and watching it. She started out, I think a little slow, like not as like even like my family was like, why aren't her punches like very crisp? And I was like, they usually are. And then she got it going mm-hmm. and she got that knockout. Like, how did you feel about watching her? And, um, you know, for me, I know I went into the sport because the business and I feel the same thing for her. She just wasn't getting the fights in boxing. Is there a reason or a rhyme like, um, of why you got into the cage?
3: Well, no, I never have been in a cage. <laughs> never been in oh, okay. so but I did follow her. Yeah, and I you know, as a, you know, work because I've done promotions I kinda know what's going on up there in New York. You know, she's got a mm-hmm. what's happened is, you know, the commission up there has now decided that there has to be a one million dollar insurance policy, health insurance on every fighter that fights. So you're talking about if you have a fight card with, you know, 10 fights on it, you have 20 fighters in it and $21 million policy. So how <laughs> God, can do in that? In <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, and that's really what's happened with Heather Hardy. I mean, I just happen to know that because uh, I know a little bit on the inside of the promotional stuff, and she's with uh, DeBella, right? I think she's with DeBella. And, uh, and yeah, you know, her hometown all. is New York, so yeah, and they were building her there, and she had a huge following there, so now they've kind of, you know, it's like you can go somewhere else, but she doesn't have as much value to the promoter, even though she's a great fighter, and he has got a great draw, but, you know, fighters draw at home the most, which is why now Ohio is a big fight town. Obviously, you had Kelly Pavlik, you have Adrian Broner, you had Rashi Warren, and now you got got um, Robert Easter Jr. and several fighters. And then, I mean, who used to go to Nebraska to go to a fight? But now you got Terrence Crawford, and they're doing big shows there. So, really, the fights kind of moved to the fighters, and that's, you know, sort of what, what was going on with her because DeBell done fights all up around New England, you know. So, um, but, um, you know, that opportunity is not there for her right now. See, this probably got a lot to do with her frustration. So, um, yeah. I mean, it's great that she got the knockout. I hate seeing a, a girl go into the cage when they're a good boxer. But, but you know, it's okay. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's not that I have a thing against MMA. I mean, I loved it with Holly Holm, but he never would have had that kind of record in boxing. But and, and, you know, she fought everybody, so you can't take away from her that, you know, she didn't fight hard. So it's just... You know, I mean, it's 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 good for her on the, you know, she needs it to make the money and stuff, and maybe she'll master the MMA, I don't know, but they don't, they just don't, I don't know, I'm sorry to say this, I don't think they take as good care of the fighters as they might in boxing, but, you know, it's all a dirty business, we know that, but. Um, I don't know. Yeah. It's just different. It's just. I mean, I guess you go there and you got to fight for real. <laughs> I hate yeah. to say it like no, that. No, you <laughs> know. Yeah, about, and
0: it is. Uh, I'm a. I'm know. a lover of boxing, and obviously, I have all my friends or MMA. My husband, you know, um, was one of the guys starting out in MMA. So I've been around it, and they all know. I'll tell anyone. Like, uh, and I saw MMA. So, so I feel right. like I can say. Right. It. I think. Yeah, I think boxing is way more difficult, and I think you have to be a way. <laughs> like it's just a lot harder to be at the top of boxing and I will always have I always will enjoy a boxing fight over an MMA fight any day um Mm. and for myself and that's why I felt um that's funny because I actually I think I heard someone say that you fought in the cage but I didn't think you had so I'm glad we cleared that up but I did it because there just wasn't any fights for me in boxing so I was literally like you know when you're trying to be the best you're you you do not have other jobs and it was the only job I had and there was just nothing for me. And so MMA, I was living in Vegas, and um, I was getting paid way more to start off, and they were promoting me. And so wow, they treated me great. pretty – yeah, they treated me pretty good. It was at the end of my career anyways, um, but I still always love boxing over. I wish those, some of those opportunities that presented themselves in MMA – I wish that had happened in boxing. Um, So I understand, like, for Heather, if, you know, this is what she's putting her stock in, is to be a fighter. And um, I think she, like, probably wished with everything and she worked really hard in boxing. But if there's just no fights and no one's giving you opportunities, like, and you're a fighter, like, what else are you supposed to do? You just have to, you have to fight. And I think that's what, yeah, I think that's what she did. Which
3: sucks, right? That sucks. sucks, (laughs) I mean, I think they probably uh, treat. Right, right, and I think they probably treat you better as a person in MMA, it's just they don't treat your (laughs) record, but you know, they're gonna make you get in there and fight, so you know, that's that's one thing about it, I mean, you get to be a real fighter in there, we're in boxing, it's, you know, I mean, we all know that it's, a lot of it's the show, and it's like living up to the image, and it's not just going in and being a fighter, it used to be, but not anymore, and so maybe there's a lot of freedom in, in doing mixed martial arts, you know, that that you can just go it's in there. New and fight and so it's new still. It's
0: new. It's all gonna change, but it's new, right? Like anything right. else. And um, so it's all evolving. But I hope, and and we've seen it, and hopefully, you know, David and Felipe, I hope you guys keep talking. But um, the thing is, like we've seen in this last year, that um, there's been some things in women's boxing that haven't happened in a long time. You know, like watching females on um TV, and there's a lot of hope. But I just still haven't felt that like. Oh yeah, like women's boxing is really popular now. Like I still don't feel that. I'm still like holding right. out for hope. Um, and and we see like the Serrano sisters, and, and it's mostly on Facebook because they're still not household names, and that's just the honest truth, you know. Um, we see them because right. we love boxing, but my my neighbors don't know who they are, you know. Right. Um, right. And so right. I'm still I'm still hoping that 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 has a turn, and um, you know, this right. year or next year. It's building, but it's just not there. And Heather Hardy, that's what she thought, right? She had that big fight on TV, mm-hmm. and we were like, we all had great hopes for her, and she's beautiful too, and there's no reason that she shouldn't be famous. But it didn't happen, and so, um, mm-hmm. so um,
3: maybe you, you, just know, you have wait to
1: see,
3: <laughs> right? Yeah, maybe you just gotta wait a little longer. I think there's still hope. Well, you know what I think is, um, you know, I do feel like women's boxing is on a, a growth spurt right now. I think it's just got mm-hmm. to make its footing. And when it comes, it's going to be permanent, though. I do know that. It's, it's sort of like with the MMA. I don't see women's MMA as fading out, even their televised matches. I mean, they're having more than just Ronda Rousey as the main event now. I and mean, Dana White swore he'd never promote a woman's fight. But now it's Yeah, I remember. It, so, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so, um, but, you know, I mean, I think, you know, I hate to say this, I think part of the showing is maybe just a rough start for Clarissa and for um, uh, Marlon Esparza. They're having a little bit of a rough start, making the transition probably. Where, But, you know, the Serrano sisters are doing great on television. And then Katie Taylor, I got to say, you know, she's doing, her, she's doing her job and packing. I mean, she, she fought before 80,000 or something in Wimbledon. I mean, she's, she's got the power to be, um, you know, and the showing. And when you watch her fights, they're, they're good fights. And the same with uh, Amanda Serrano. That was a great fight that she had on Showtime. And I think that, mm-hmm. um, you know, it is. It's just we get, and Even not saying Clarissa and Marlon will make it there. They, it's just going to take them a little time. I think they spent a lot of time in the amateurs. Um, and there's a certain mentality in the United States um, with amateur Olympic-level boxing that, you know, kind of pulls them out of their niche a little bit. Because I talked to several of them when I did the Clash of Champions here in Atlanta. We did um, a duel, you know, U.S. versus China, the, the national team. And I saw how they trained, and I talked to a lot of girls, and I was like, uh, you know, the Americans, and I was like, how do you deal with you can't have your trainer, and you know, you you have to listen to people that you know train you that you you know, it's a different. It's I mean, they have people running the boxing program with USA Boxing that are that are that have never fought. These are you know specialists yeah. in athleticism and elite training, but not boxing. You know, so it's a different. It's, it's totally it's a different. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, and different. I think it's kind of. Yeah, and I think what they need is just a little time to get back into that idea and that train of thought of, especially Clarissa. I know her her trainer trained her to be a pro from day one. So it's just getting her to make that change where she's used to being trained again where they have to actually listen to the trainer because, you know – they all told me, and Michaela Mayer and Clarissa and Marlon, they were like, you just take everything with a grain of salt. You know, some things you listen to, some things you don't, and you learn to find ways, fo- like, oh. to
0: get to the top, yeah, you have to vary your well, in eyes, amateur, like, blocking, right? yeah. In the
3: yeah. Right. and Well, in the amateur team, because when they're on the amateur national team, they go through so many trainers, and none of them are their home oh, trainers. Sure. You know, they take them to Colorado Springs. It's just a different feeling. I think that kind of hurts them making that transition into the pros. So where Katie yeah. Taylor had her daddy – and also the amateurs and still now in the pros and you know, it's the same that I don't know, the the Serrano sisters I don't think were on the national teams or something like that. But, you know, they've been pros for quite a while. So they kinda
1: mm-hmm. are more
3: accustomed to that idea. You know, I just think it kinda hurt hurt them to be the new stars coming out and to, to have, you know, kind of a flood a little bit. Not that they had bad performances, but not what what everybody wanted to see. And it was I think it wasn't their fault. I think it was they're going to have to make some transitions because of what they were used to for so long on the national teams, you know? So, um, but yeah, but I think, I think just hang in there, Elena. I think it's going to happen. I'm real positive about it. I'm going to promote some girls. (laughs) So hopefully we'll, we'll see it move. And even with the MMA, I want to see the ladies. Hey, look, if you ever go to Korea, South Korea, men's Mm box, like the men's boxing barely exists. All the headliners are women. All the money's going to the women fighters, and I've been over there with the WIBF and the WBF, uh, sanctioning title fights and working as a supervisor over there. And it's all about the girls. So if it can happen there, and they're really conservative, you know, I think we can. Yeah. We can move. No, and we talk about it. it's like all over
0: the world, you know. (laughs) It's like Mexico, Mm, Germany, minute forever, and um, and now we're talking, you know, different parts in Asia, and so um, Argentina. And so I guess we're just a little bit behind, right, in the states. But, um, but Americans are you know, really will, conservative, yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah. yeah. I agree. That's that's what it is. It's the guys. We gotta get them out of the, you know, out of the 60s or something. Dark ages. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. For sure.
0: All right, David. It's only, are you guys still there?
1: <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. It's great. Yeah. yeah. It's so, when David you have a lady's talk? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hi Terry, this is David Avila. How are you doing?
3: I'm good, David. How are you?
1: Very good. Um, I know you have you have a show uh, coming up. Uh, could you talk about it? Oh, for people that don't know where Terry Moss is based, she's based out of Atlanta, Georgia. Right, right.
3: Yeah, I do. I have a I have a show, a pro show coming up tomorrow. Um, we've got a really good, um, for our first, this is our maiden voyage, so we're really excited, but we've got an excellent lineup. I mean, every fight is tough. Um, all of the competitors are, you know, ready for war. I think it's going to be a really great showing for Atlanta. We've had, you know, we've, we've been a sleepy town in in pro boxing for quite a while. So I'm hoping that we can make some changes, build some good local fighters and, um, you know, get the attention of the big promoters to come in here and hopefully team up with me. (laughs) and and help us, you know, not help us move some guys, but bring in the big names, and we'll have a few big names, and let's see what happens because um uh, Georgia's had a really strong national, I mean, a really strong uh, amateur team for quite a while, and now there are like, I mean, there are probably 12 or 15 of them that have now gone into the pro ranks, and these were, you know, guys that did really well nationally. So um, for us uh, here, you know, they just need a good promoter, and there's some promoters in town, you know, some around Georgia, um, and and some of the shows are, you know, they're okay. But uh, I just want to make a different show, a you know, an entertaining show and a you know, a show with a good production and you know, good fights on it. And, and I think we can make a difference in, in the fight scene in Atlanta. And uh, like I said, I've been um, promoting shows for quite a while. And when you can get a thousand people at a at a white collar boxing show, you're you're doing a pretty good thing. So I think we can do better than that with the pros. So um you know i'm i'm really looking forward to the beginning and i hope that we can you know build some guys and bring in some top you know some top tier shows here
1: is this your first pro show right it is uh, what what was the difference between the, the amateur shows and the pro shows aside from uh, getting the licenses and things like that mm-hmm.
3: well i mean i've done lots of amateur shows i've done golden gloves and like i, I was telling elaine i've done you know, even national, uh, a duel, you know, USA versus uh, um, China. We did that one, which are the two strongest women teams in the world right there. Um, so, I mean, I posted quite a few national, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, amateur um, events. But then I did my corporate fight night shows. And those were like, they were like Las Vegas style pro boxing shows, only they're white collar boxing. So, um, you know, we brought, we were, man- we've managed over several years. We've been doing that show for about seven years. We've managed to bring in some really nice sponsors. Um, we've been working with Hard Rock for many years now. We work with Hooters. We've got uh, Tito's vodka. We're, you know, we've got some beer sponsors. We've got sponsors that are really good to, that are just following us right into the pros, and um, I think that's giving us a big oppor- a big opportunity to kind of step above and beyond even on our first uh, event. So we've kind of got a good platform built. We've got a really good fan base already, um, just our my promotional company. So um, I think it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a good transition for us. But there. You know the difference, honestly. Considering I've done so many now at this point, it's it's not a lot of difference. Uh, just just dealing with you know um, a little bit of travel and some purses now. But actually, this show is cheaper than my corporate corporate boxing shows. Those are an extravaganza of, of spending money.
1: <laughs> so we're
3: you know we're we're actually looking better on this one.
1: <laughs> is it only boxing or boxing and MMA?
3: Well, I did one with boxing, and my last show had boxing, MMA, Muay Thai,
1: and kickboxing. So,
3: you know, uh, it was my first time in. Um, we kind of got to fill out the Pro Boxing Commission because they're sanctioned under the same organization. Um, you know, they work under our Secretary of State. So that kind of got our feet wet and gave us a practice run, um, you know, for, for this pro boxing show coming up now. And, you know, we're starting a new series with the pros. So, um, um, you know, it's... It's uh, I, mean, I forgot your question. That's nice for me for you. <laughs> but um, <laughs> what, what did you ask me, David? I'm sorry.
1: Uh, uh, if you have an MMA show, uh, MMA kickboxing. Oh, MMA, right. Boxing.
3: So, right, right. So we did that on our last show, and I, I've, I've kind of been undecided, but um, over just the last couple of days, the days I've decided that yeah, we're gonna do some more um, MMA, more time kickboxing. I actually like doing that. The only reason it was difficult for me last time, which we did do, we did a great show. Um, it's just I'm not as well connected because I haven't been in that sport. Um, so it's, but I got a few people now that are really well connected that are gonna, you know, start making some connections for me. So, yeah, we want to move in that direction. I, I, I tell people it'd be nice to promote one show where I'm not working corners. <laughs> That'd be really nice. So, uh, you know, I don't have any of those guys that I train. So maybe I can walk around and pretend I'm the promoter for a
1: minute. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any uh, emails, fighting? Like-
3: yeah, we do. We have, um, I have one that's um, – she's got about 30 amateur fights, um, and she's um, been boxing, though, for about eight years, so she's been in the game for a while. Uh, we're bringing a girl in from New York for her, and this is an amateur fight, but and the girl's got like 40-something fights. So we got, we're not – like I said, we're not putting them in easy, but we're putting them in to win. So, uh, in other words, they got to get out there and fight. You know, So we're trying to put on a good card, and she's going to fight here. She's doing the Women's National Golden Gloves and then I'm going to take her over to the show that I'm promoting in Cancun in September uh, and let her fight over there, and then we'll be turning her pro on our next pro show, which should be around October.
1: Well, wow, that sounds like a pretty good show. Um, you, you've had, in your experience, you've had very tough opponents, and what kind of uh, advice do you give uh, to your female fighters?
3: Well, you know, females, as Elena can can uh, testify, you know, we got to, we have to fight, you know, high, low, uh, four weight classes and uh, you have to fight, you know, tough if you want to get in there and get their attention. So, you know, it's, it's, it, it didn't bother me. I mean, I got in there, honestly, David, when I got in boxing, nobody cared to do anything with me. So I knew I was going to have to you know, kind of take a tough ride. And that was okay with me because I, I started off fighting. I re- didn't really even know how to fight yet because no one took me seriously because I was, 36 when I went pro. So, you know, I I knew that my way was going to be tough. Some some I, I mean, most of the ladies, you know, you're going to have to fight tough. So, uh they want to see a fighter that can fight. Otherwise, you're going to have a really hard time um, you know, just being pampered in there. You know, they're not they're, you're not going to be accepted very well. So, uh I think that the women are still out. They have to prove themselves. So, um especially with the women fighters, I let them know, you're going to have to you're going to have to move on this. you, you got to get out there and fight.
1: Yeah, it is a tough world for the female fighters. Felipe, did you have a question?
2: Yes, uh, Ms. Moss, my name is Felipe. I'm the co-host here on the Two Minute Round as well. Um, one question, you mentioned you touched a little bit. You were a fighter. You're a supervisor for the WI. Was it WIBA?
3: WIBF and the WBF.
2: And then also the GBU, correct?
3: Oh, yes, yes. They're part of it. The, they work alongside the WIBS, yes.
2: Okay. But one thing that you also did in the beginning, you were a cut woman for, for quite some time. What can you tell us about that? That was the first role that you actually <laughs> took uh, in boxing?
3: Right, because when I, went, when I first got in, you know, my coach was – my trainer was saying, you, you know, you're too old to fight. You're too old to fight. He taught me, you know, how to work corners, how to work cuts, how to, you know, do contracts, how to do a lot of the behind-the-scenes things. So fortunately, I had really good experience coming in the game about how the game worked, the good and the bad and the ugly. But, um, but yeah, and I've I worked a lot with one of his fighters that, um, you know, we used to make a joke that he would bleed as soon as he signed the contract. And so <laughs> I had really good experience in working cuts. <laughs> many cuts, many, many cuts. So um, it's one good thing is my... Um, my fighters will always have a good cut man there until I just want to bring a stitch in or something like that. <laughs> He's my favorite. He actually worked uh, you know my corner once, and you know I really like him. He's a great guy
2: now um you mentioned with in the interview with Elena and some questions with Elena that there was an actual a female fighter who didn't want to be trained by a female trainer what was the reason what was the reason behind that?
3: Well, I had one that I turned pro, um, and she was a very good fighter. I mean, she should have been a world champion, but she, you know, I turned to pro. I got a, I got two fights for her, and so she was two and zero. But you know, I just I, I, our personalities really clashed. Uh, you know, I couldn't. Uh, I mean, I really liked her, and I think that she liked me. But I, you know, there was just something about it we couldn't click. And you know, she liked to she liked to be around the guys, and I don't know. I think it made her feel stronger. And she was a, she's also an uh, an airplane mechanic and she was in the um, air force and she like a career air force person. And, you know, she, she just had a certain way about it. that was just, you know, I guess I wasn't gruff enough for her. And she, she couldn't really get her, maybe her, what she needed in her, her ego. <laughs> maybe she had a little bit of a male ego and it just wasn't, it just wasn't complimentary for her. So we tried, but you know, over time and we didn't have any hard feelings. I mean, after she left, uh, um, you know tried to help her get her a few fights but she wound up you know I think she retired like five and oh or something like that and the last I heard from her she was you know asking me if I could find her title fight and I actually got her one and she couldn't fight it at that you know she's like oh I'm not even training so yeah, I think she quit so it's a sad story I would have never let it go that way but <laughs> but you know her, the trainer that she had you know he, it was a man and maybe it was a good trainer for her but he she told me he you know he just doesn't he doesn't really pursue he's not going to manage me or go out and pursue my um career but he'll train me and i'm like well you know unfortunate circumstance you know for her but but that's that's how it went but she could have definitely been um you know in the top tier so it's a shame for me to say that but um you know that's that's how that went but she's really the only one i've ever had that really just couldn't couldn't take my my feminine side but i'm not even feminine i'm pretty obnoxious but you know <laughs> not enough i guess <laughs>
2: Now, Terry, uh, you, you have your first pr- professional uh, boxing event tomorrow. You're promoting it. You mentioned you have five fighters. Are there all the? You have five fighters going pro. Are they all going pro tomorrow?
3: No, I just have one going pro, but I have seven, eight amateurs fighting on the show. But uh, <laughs> so I have a lot of amateurs. We're kind of filling up the amateur card. But um, but of those amateurs, four of those amateurs that I'm that I'm fighting on this show are going pro. So um, I should be turning at least two more, maybe three on the next show, and then maybe on the, the next show after that um, we'll, we'll have them all pro by then. So um, a couple of them, you know, have some things to clear up before they can go pro. And, uh, but, but, and then some of them want to do a couple things before they go pro. So, okay. yeah, but I have five total. But I would say in the next uh, five, six months they'll all be pro by then. So um, Give us a few th- of bait. them.
2: Yeah. Give, give us some names of so these guys that are going to go pros. That way, that way, you know, we can say that we heard about him here first on the two minute round.
3: Absolutely <laughs> um, uh, right. So um, the one I'm taking pro on Saturday is Deontay Brown. He's a slick South Palm. He could be a little regendo eventually. <laughs> uh, um, he, he's, um, he's 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 uh, he's like twenty twenty two years old, twenty one or twenty two. So he's really young. He's really ready, and he's, he's going to be sensational. And then the other one that I have that, um, man, this, is, uh, this guy is incredible. Um, his name is Abel Aparicio, or Abel. A lot of people call him Abel, but it's Abel Aparicio is his name. And then um, I have a, the female that I'm going to be turning from. Her, her name is Tavisha Norwood. Um, she should move up pretty quick. In fact, we, we would like her to get one or two fights and try to get a fight with Marlon. Uh, they've actually fought each other before. So yeah, we're, we're hoping for that soon. I'm like, we could get you a title fight in like three fights, but well, something, I don't know if Marlon will be ready for that, but we definitely can get her, you know, something high end really quickly. So she'll move up quicker in the ranks probably than the guys, but that's only because of the depth of the pool for the women right now. But, um, um, you know, the guys should move, move well, and they'll be well taken care of. So, um, and then I have uh, Victor Ramirez. He's actually undefeated as an amateur. Um, he's one. He's he's really funny. Like he's a guy that says he still says he's not a fighter. <laughs> so, that, huh. but he's really good on stage and he's undefeated. So I'm like, well, I'm I'm glad you're gonna not fight on this show. Too. <laughs> so, um, but he's he's pretty incredible. I mean, he doesn't even understand what a loss tastes like. Um, and then I've got another one, Roberto Escalante. He's done some um, Muay Thai, kickboxing, and boxing. So he's been wanting to go pro for quite a while, and we're super excited for him. He's a really exciting fighter. Um, he's, he's Mexican. I've got uh, of those three of those are Mexican fighters. So I, I train a lot of Latino fighters. Um, so I'm super excited about those guys, and they, they get big crowds to come to see him. So, um, you know, we, we plan on having a really good crew to start with.
2: Okay, uh, Terry, before letting, uh, letting you go, I know you're quite busy. you got that show coming up. you got the weigh-ins tomorrow. Why don't you give our audience your uh, social media accounts and also tell them how they can get, uh, for the people that are listening in your area, how they can get some tickets and, and go to the show on Saturday night.
3: Sure. Okay, so the show, uh, the weigh-in and the press conference tomorrow are open to the public. They're going to be at the Hard Rock uh, Cafe downtown in Atlanta, um, at the Velvet Underground, which is their um, like their their place where they do concerts and things like that. Um, and so we'll have the weigh-in and then a press conference to follow. Um, we hope to pack a house for that. Um, and then the show is going to be Saturday night at my gym. Um, well, we got a big gym though. It's at Buckhead Fight Club. It's the Underground Showdown. We're a big underground facility. Um, so we got the Velvet Underground and the Underground um, facility. So this is a totally underground show. <laughs> Come and see it, Um, and uh, they can get tickets online if they go to our website at BuckheadFightClub.com and just go to upcoming events, and then they can uh, pick up some online tickets there. Um, Those are going to go down sometime tomorrow, so um, if they miss that, we'll still have tickets available at the door. Um, We expect a packed house in there. Uh, Imagine the show will sell out, um, so get them early if you can. And, um, yeah, our social media, we've got uh, Twitter, Instagram, and uh, Facebook page. Facebook page is Buckhead Fight Club and our um, Instagram is um, uh, at uh, uh, Buckhead FC and then our Instagram also is Buckhead Fight Club. So um, actually our Twitter, I'm sorry, is at uh, Buckhead FC and then Instagram is Buckhead Fight Club. You can follow us and all that and we've got a hashtag, it's hashtag Underground Showdown. We'll be live streaming the event on Facebook as well and then there's another um, company that's live streaming on their, their website. So we've got quite a lot going on, and um, tune in or come in. We want to see you.
1: (laughs) Oh, good awesome yeah no, Thank i you, really Ms.
0: i wish you well i want to say that but um and i'll let them <laughs> talk but i really um i love seeing you on facebook and i'm going to keep watching you and um you know i'm always sending you positive thoughts out there not that you need mine because you're doing great on your own but um if you're ever down in phoenix i hope you hit me up and um i love everything that you're
3: doing so you're awesome <laughs> we do and hopefully well you can come to a, a atlanta sometime elena we'd love to see you <laughs> yeah yeah no i would love that <laughs> Yeah, they, they would love you here. I'll, I promise you. <laughs> okay, great. Well, thank you guys so much for having me on the show. Thank you,
2: Thanks thank you for having ha- me. Thank you, Ms. Moss. We'll uh, hope to have you again here on the Two Minute Round.
3: Thank you so much. You guys have a
2: good evening. You
1: nice
2: luck. And there you have it. Uh, International female Hall of Famer Terry Moss talking about her promotion, talking about her career. And uh, I apologize, Elena. I I was having a conversation with David. I think it was yesterday. Regarding some guests, and I got her confused with another fighter who uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, and that's why I mentioned it, but no uh miss Terry Moss has never been in the cage uh so but the other one that we were talking about, hopefully we could have her soon and we can talk to her about that, so uh, they had it, Terry Moss here on the two minute round, they hooked and just look at the female firewall if anybody wants to call in and talk female bhakti, you sure can at three twenty three uh Erico's three two three. Five eight Don't forget to follow us here at our new home, blogtalkradio.com forward slash 2-Minute Round, and also on all your podcast apps like uh, on, on the iPhone and on uh, Google Play, Stitcher, and any other uh, podcasting app. You can find us there through Blog Talk Radio. Just search for the 2-Minute Round. But let's go back to the fight review quickly. We've got a couple more fights to talk about there. On Saturday, May 27th, from San Jose, Costa Rica, Hannah Gabriel scored a United decision over Natasha Spence in a 10-rounder where she defended her WBA and WBO 154-pound title. And the same night from the Ciudad de Begron in Mexico on Sanford, Tijuana's Zone Kenny Enrique scored a third-round TKO over highly-ranked Maria Salinas to score the vacant interim WBC 108 pound title in a scheduled 10 rounder that was televised in Mexico on the Azteca channel as well in the United States on being sports. And earlier at the top of the show, when I mentioned that somebody would be very interested in what, in the result between Kika Chavez and Esmeralda Moreno, that upcoming fight is none other than Kenny Enriquez because there she's going to find out if she's going to somehow become the absolute WBC champion or if she's gonna have to face Esmeralda Moreno to get that uh, full-fledged world title, David, you got a chance to watch this fight. What did you think of uh, Kenya's performance?
1: Well, I, I think uh, basically she uh, showed the world that's how good she is. I mean, that uh, body shot she landed was like a like a sonic boom. I mean, when I heard it. On on the video, and I said, "Wow, I've never heard a blow on the video, especially a body shot like that. I, it's it's rare. You usually hear that when you're in person, but this I heard on the video, and I go, man, that was a shot.' And uh, when the girls ended the fight, the, the opponent ended the fight. Uh, I wasn't surprised because I I knew that shot was a was a killing blow, um, and uh, she's very impressive, Kenya. If nobody knows about Kenny Enriquez, this girl is the real deal, and uh, she's still young. But uh, I think uh, in two three years she's going to be one of the top fighters pound for pound.
2: Now, Maria Salinas had never been knocked out before, even though she had faced world class uh, world class opponents like Esmeranda Moreno and um, uh, I forgot her name, the the Japanese fighter who she fought. Uh, not too long ago. Nobody had ever uh, knocked her out, but Kenya Enriquez was able to do so with that uh, left hook to the body that you mentioned. She had faced Naoko Shibata. She faced um, uh, Jessica Neri Plata. she faced Esmeralda Moreno. She had faced uh, uh, quite a number of fighters. Maria Salinas, who's quite strong, young, 28 years old, stocky. But uh, Kenya Enriquez was able to... uh, stop her and capture that interim WBC title. And like I mentioned, now she's waiting to see if Esmeralda Moreno, the way that, that we have it understood is that Esmeralda Moreno goes up to the flyweight, title, which, I mean, flyweight division and challenges Jessica Laquica Chavez in the finals of the tournament, um, and she wins, she would have the option of either keeping the WBC flyweight title at 112 pounds or relinquishing it, leaving it vacant, and keeping the 108-pound title. If she loses against Kika Chavez, then she would still be the 108-pound champion, and then that's when Kenya would have to challenge her for the full-fledged version. If she ends up keeping the 108-pound title despite beating Kika Chavez, um, Kenya would have to face her to become the full-fledged champion. And if Esmeralda Moreno ends up just keeping the 112-pound title, that if she were to defeat Kika Chavez then Kenya would become the absolute champion without having to face her. So so I'm sure that Kenya Enriquez is very interested in the result of that fight, which should be happening in August. Moving on to Friday, the June 9th in Norway, Cecilia Breakhouse considered the number one pound-for-pound champion by the majority of the female fight world except one or, other, or another, including Mr. David Avila, scored a unanimous decision over Erika Farias in a 10-rounder in her home country of Norway. Scores were a dominating 99-91 two times in 98-92. With it, she defended her WBC, WBA, IBF, WBO, and IBO titles. David, did you see anything different in Breakout's, uh performance against Farias and anything of her facing Leila MacArthur, the fighter you consider the number one fighter in the world? Well,
1: um... According to Farias, I'm not sure if it's true or not, but she claimed that she was injured um, before the fight and that she wasn't able to to use both uh, hands in the fight. Mm. I, I don't know if that was a reason or not. But Cecilia Breakers basically outboxed her, you know, for all ten rounds and convincingly won. Although there was no knockdowns or, or or damage, serious damage to Erica Farias, but. Um, she did claim to be injured. I don't know if it's true or not. Uh, but uh, Breakers uh, did win. She, she was convincing in her win. Uh, whether or not she fights Layla McCarter, I don't know. It's it's. I know Layla's out there waiting. And uh, basically, that's the one fighter that Cecilia Breakers has not fought. Who's actually in her division, and she seems to be hopscotching
2: around her fighting anybody but Lita McCarter. Mm. Well, what, one thing that I did catch was that she perhaps will be coming to the United States in her next fight, and she keeps mentioning, I don't know why, but she keeps mentioning Cyborg as yeah. a possible mm. opponent. You know, and we're going to move and talk about the MMA and boxing in a couple of minutes. Before we do that, and, and let me just give the, the last couple of results. And then we can move on to that conversation. Friday, June 16th from Argentina, the legendary Marcela de Tigresa Acuña scored a unanimous decision over Shannon O'Connell in a 10-rounder defending her IBF 122-pound title. And lastly, Clarissa Shields, who we're going to be talking about, scored a unanimous decision over Sidney LeBlanc, a late sub in an eight-rounder to capture the WBC Silver Super Middleweight title. Now, moving on to the female fight chatter, and that's what we want to talk about. Elena kind of touched on it with Terry Moss, Heather Hardy making her debut in the cage this past weekend. She was great, knocking out her opponent. Holly Holm, obviously a big, big name five, six, seven years ago in the boxing world, winning a bunch of titles. Moving on to MMA, the UFC, more specifically, knocking out the star of the UFC female division, Ronda Rousey, and her, in a way, becoming somewhat of a star for the UFC, she hasn't done that great since that win, but I think she just won. Uh She just beat uh, the Brazilian uh, woman in her last fight, which was about a week, two weeks ago, in Thailand, I believe. And then there's also video on the net right now, just this last week, where Clarissa Shields is seen sparring Cyborg and, and then also getting some oh, tips yeah. as far as groundwork uh, from Cyborg. So, David... And then we'll move on to Elena. Obviously, her being the experienced fighter uh, in the ring and in the cage. What do you see in this whole boxing slash MMA? And obviously, the what's going on on August 26th in the female, in the male boxing world with you know that fight that's going on there. I don't even want to mention it. But uh, oh, what no. you no, What do you see? <laughs> yeah, what do you see happening here? Well, it was, it was um, so days and days. I talked about this earlier,
0: and to be honest with you, I apologize because I will. I'm gonna talk about this, and then I'm gonna have to go because I, I'm actually at work. <laughs> um, yes. But the, and I I touched on it, and it's just the truth. Like you know, um, all over the world, women's boxing is doing great, but it's not doing great here. Um, and and we see like with Heather Hardy, you know, we had so much hope, and I'm sure she had a whole lot of hope but nothing came after it. And so, um, you know, this is our bread and butter. This is what we only get paid, like, if we fight, right? Um, And so if you're not getting fights in boxing, then you really have no choice but to do what you're going to, like, you know, you can still train for boxing, so it's kind of nice, but to get fights, you might have to fight MMA, um, especially when you're right at the top of your game because no one wants to pay you to to fight other people who are the best um and it just it gets really tough and you really have no other choice but to do MMA is how at least I felt at the time and I'm sure how Heather Hardy feels um and so maybe anyone and obviously Carissa Shields you know maybe business wise she's seeing that maybe there's not that many fights for her in boxing and that she might have more opportunity in MMA. I'm not saying it's great because I think all of us would agree, especially the females I'm talking about, that we love boxing and we wish there's more for us here in the States. I'm not talking about having to go to everyone's backyard and always being the underdog, but to stay here in the States and to get paid, it just seems like you're going to have more opportunity and more money and be able to live if you do MMA. And that's the unfortunate truth. Like, that's just what it is. Um, It sucks, and, you know, if anyone can change it, please change it. But what, what, else, what other choices do they have? You know, to go hungry and, and love boxing with all that they are, but for boxing not to give back to them?
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, last night uh, I spoke to Mark Taffet, who was uh, the former vice president of uh, HBO. He used to handle all the pay-per-views, and uh, he's now co-managing Claressa. And uh, mm-hmm. basically he said that the sparring match with, with Clarissa and Cyborg was kind of like uh, to, to, to raise the profile of her because there's a whole different audience that follows MMA. They don't necessarily yeah. follow boxing. And mm-hmm. it just brings a whole different aspect, the, an audience. And uh um, Yeah,
0: and so maybe because, now they can be – because now Clarissa has that, right? They can say, like, oh, who is this girl? Oh, my gosh, this girl was in the Olympics, you know? And so they exactly. didn't hear about her before. They hear about her now. They look her up. They see that she did all these amazing things. And so I, I see that as a, as a great business move, and I can understand that um because yep. – People are talking as much as they should be talking for someone who's done something as amazing as she's done, you know. And so maybe boxing is not the one to here in the U.S. to give her um, the recognition and what she needs. So maybe MMA will.
1: Yeah, exactly. And then they see somebody like Clarissa trading blows with MMA's most feared fighter, and they're actually trading mm-hmm. blows. And uh, yeah, you know, yeah, it's excited. fun. It was
0: actually it's a fun video to watch.
1: Yeah, exactly. I even liked it. I mean, I thought it was great to just see him uh, exchanging blows. And I I didn't really like the ground game because that can be kind of boring even for MMA fans. I didn't even
0: watch the ground game. I didn't even get that far. (laughs) 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 far. But, you um, you guys, you know, I really want to thank you for having me back on. And I do have to go, but I will still listen. um, But I just have to be responsible. But I'll be back on as much as I can. And I just really want to thank you for this opportunity because you guys know I love boxing, right, a lot, and so um, it's always great to speak with you guys and to speak to other fighters, so thank you so much for what you guys do.
2: Thank you, Lena. Thank, thank you me, for Elena. being with us, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Obviously, we'll, we'll be in touch, and hopefully you can come with us on uh, on episode number 29, which will be on July 13th. I will be there. <laughs> Thanks, Lena. Have a great Take night. Take care, Elena.
0: Yeah. All right, you too, guys. All right, bye. Bye-bye.
2: There you go. Our co-host, Elena Baby Babydoll Reed has to step away uh, now, but we're still here with Mr. David Avila out of the Riverside uh, area of California and myself, Felipe Leon, down here in Tijuana, Mexico, on the Two Minute Round, your Hooks and Jazz look at the female box world. Episode number 28 here on our new home, blogtalkradio.com forward slash Two Minute Round, and also on all your podcasting platforms. You could uh, search for us there and subscribe. Uh... So, David, so here we have – so we have the, the MMA Heller Holly home and all that, but – and like you mentioned, which was a great tidbit where Mark Taffet, uh, Clarissa Shields' co-manager, giving you the insight of the, of the reasoning of why I have her uh, getting the ring with Cyborg, and she was promoting it quite a lot on her uh, social media. Clarissa Shields was – she was, you know, kind of giving a play-by-play of her getting on the plane and traveling – to see Cyborg and everything. So that was actually very well played by them. But in her last fight, which I mentioned was on June 16th, she fought for the vacant WBC silver title against, um, you know, short, uh, uh, laced up Cindy LeBlanc. LeBlanc. But one fighter that was actually highly ranked, who is actually, I believe, the number one ranked, and I'm going to actually check that right now, for the WBC at super middleweight, is a woman that is no stranger to us here on the show, she's been on the show with us here very early on, but also to Clarissa Shields because she's been tied to Clarissa Shields for actually she's ranked number two as of April, the WBC, but I believe she might be number one now because the the, the WBC has not updated their rankings on on their website, but she is ranked number two in April. She might be number one now, but besides, despite of that, she got overlooked and the and I'm talking about Marisela Cornejo, the uh, Southern California-based fighter, and she actually went public on Twitter and and made a mention of that, that she actually had gotten overlooked uh, to fight Clarissa Shields for this title. What can you tell us about that?
1: Well, uh, yes, it was kind of a surprise. Uh, she had been t- – uh, uh, her and her manager, uh, Nancy Rodriguez, had been – Told that, you know, they had a specific ranking and they're going by the rankings and they were in line. And uh, when it didn't happen, they were in shock. But then to, to compound that, uh, Maricela was in line to fight Nikki Adler. And mm-hmm. it looked like she so were going to go over there to fight Nikki Adler. Then all of a sudden it was announced Clarissa Shields was fighting Nikki Adler. And it was kind of a turnabout twice. But, um, it, it's one of those things that happens in in boxing, not just in women's boxing, but in men's too. Um, it, it, it's all about money. It's about mm-hmm. who can offer the most amount of money. Who uh, and then the sanctioning bodies—they get money from that too. That's what a lot of people don't realize. They get a percentage, and mm-hmm. whoever's going to bring the most money is, you know, definitely going to be the favorite to take the fight. I mean, who would turn down uh, Canelo? Uh, Alvarez money in favor of uh, somebody like uh, who, some lesser known welterweight who's going to make maybe ten thousand versus ten million. You know, yes. of course, the sanctioning body is going to go with the person who's going to make more money, and in this case, it's Clarissa Shields. Now that
2: makes perfect sense. Give. No, and that makes perfect sense. And and to follow up on that, you know, besides Clarissa Shields there quite possibly isn't a bigger name in the United States in those weight classes than Maricela Cornejo. Maricela Cornejo, if you go on her Instagram or on her Facebook, she has thousands of followers. I mean, I'm talking about thousands of followers. I mean, I think the last time I checked, and I'm actually going to check right now, but the last time that I checked, she had, I think, 20,000 followers on Instagram, which I believe is like her most focused, um, social media outlet, but uh, 50, Oh my God, I was completely off. She has 56,000 followers on, on, um, on Instagram, which on the grand scheme of things, when you think of like, you know, uh, Kim Kardashian or anybody like that, what I mean, it's a drop in the bucket because they have millions, but well, we are talking about female yep. boxing. First of all, boxing in general is a niche sport and female boxing is even a sub niche of that. So for her to be a female boxer, and have 56,000 followers on Instagram says something, okay? So piggybacking on your idea where, you know, it's about money, it wouldn't make sense to have Marisela Cornejo fight the last fight, um, the last fight, uh, the one that she fought against Cindy LeBlanc, because that wasn't even televised for Clarissa Shields. It was in Detroit, her, near her hometown, and it wasn't televised. Now, to keep it in perspective, Marisela Cornejo who is, you know, a fighter that has been, you know, in boxing and and she has done the right things to get her amount of followers, has 56,000, whereas Clarissa Shields on Instagram, uh, a a two-time gold medalist, she's been on TV countless of times. She is, like, the biggest name in female boxing in the United States right now. She has 72,000, so she doesn't have all that much more than um, Marisela Cornejo. So to me, in those weight classes in the United States, that's the biggest fight that can happen um, for female boxing. So it wouldn't make sense to put her on on a fight card against Clarissa Shields for the vacant uh, super middleweight silver title or whichever title, if if there wasn't going to be any TV. Now on August fourth, Clarissa Shields is going to be facing Nikki Adler, who is undefeated. In uh, 16 fights with nine knockouts, she is the WPC super middleweight champion and also on the line will be the vacant IBF super middleweight title. That is going to be televised. So, Yes, it is. So, obviously, we're doing the money talk. It makes more sense to have Clarissa Shields win those titles and then defend against Marisela Cornejo in a big American-U.S. showdown. That's what makes sense, Right. I I
1: think it's, it's a blessing. It's a blessing for Maricela. It may not seem like it now, but I think uh, if Clarissa goes and grabs those two titles, yeah, then it's going to be great. It'll be uh, Maricela will make uh, 10 times more money, well, hopefully 10 times more money than she would if she had fought Clarissa last, last uh, month or two weeks ago.
2: Now, surprisingly – Surprisingly, I mentioned that that the fight is also for the vacant IBF uh, super middleweight title, and there's only three women ranked by the IBF at super middleweight. Cornejo is not one of them. It's Clarissa Shields, number one, Nikki Adler, number two, as of May of 2017, and Tori Nelson, number three. Now, it makes perfect sense because let's say Nikki Adler fought Marisela Cornejo for the WBC title before she faced Clarissa Shields. Nikki Adler... The, let's say she would defeat Maricela Cornejo, giving her some type of profile and, and making c- perhaps the fight against Clarissa Shields slightly bigger here in the United States on TV, but then it kind of puts Marisela out in the out of the running. So it makes better sense to take the gamble and see if Shields can beat Nikki Adler, and if so, then make that big mega U.S. fight against Maricela Cornejo on Showtime. And like you say, get a pretty good payday for Maricela because quite honestly, besides Clarissa Shields, there's really no other name out there that she could fight in the United States and make as much money as she's going to make facing Clarissa Shields. I mean, she might go to Europe and face Nikki Adler or, or, or maybe go down to 160, which I don't know if she can and face Christina hammer. But, but as far as in the United States, the most money she's going to make is by facing Clarissa Shields. Uh, Yep. Now, what do you now going to that fight, which is slated for August fourth on Showtime Showbox? It's a Friday, just like her pro db Actually, her second fight where she captured the NABF middleweight title, Clarissa Shields will be facing Nikki Adler, like I mentioned, the sixteen and zero nine knockout. What do you see the odds of Clarissa Shields coming out victorious in that fight?
1: I think yeah, the odds are very strong. I know there's a there's a large contingent of people who think that uh, Nikki Adler has too much experience. But I'm, I'm seeing, uh, I'm counting the international experience as an amateur for Clarissa. Clarissa has 60 fights. She's fought the best in the world. She's conquered the best in the world. And um, this is just, uh, fighting as a pro is not much different. Her, she's, her style has always been kind of a pro style and uh, mm-hmm. she's an attacker. She, she doesn't try to, to just outpoint you. She tries to beat you down, and that's a pro style. And I think it's going to work out good for her. I think she should be the favorite. She should definitely be the favorite, and I would make her 5-1 favorite.
2: Wow. Well, I, and I agree with you. I think Nikki Adler, who's 30 years old, her biggest strength is her experience. I mean, she has 16 fights. She has 100 rounds. She's fought 10 rounds. Numerous times in her career, whereas this is going to be Clarissa Shields' first 10-rounder. She has gradually gone. Her pro debut was a four-rounder. Her second fight was a six-rounder. Her last fight was an eight-rounder. And now she's going to be going up to a 10-rounder. I have no doubt that Clarissa Shields is preparing herself the best that she can. She seems to be a, a professional in that sense. She knows what this means. But... I go back to saying what I've always said about Clarissa Shields is that, in my opinion, and I understand the, uh, the reasoning behind it, trying to get her to win titles as quickly as possible, but to me, it just doesn't make sense because once she wins the titles and she beats an undefeated 16-0 Nikki Adler, what's next? What's the big fight for Clarissa Shields? Let's say it's Marisela Cornejo. okay. She fights Cornejo in her fifth fight. Let's say she beats Cornejo. So then she goes down to middleweight, which she said, she and Mark Taffet has stated that they are willing to do that. So then she fights Christina Hammer, and let's say she beats Christina Hammer at middleweight. Then what is next for Clarissa Shields in her sixth, seventh, eighth fight? What are going to be the big fights where she's going to make good money? I don't know.
1: Well, uh, speaking of Mark uh, Taffer last night, he said that she also intends to drop down to 154 and win that title too. So she has three divisions to, to work with um, and uh, we'll see what happens. You never know what who's coming up. I think the fact that you have uh, former Olympians turning pro, I think that's kind of opening it up for a lot of uh, women that used to uh, just fight amateurs and then forget about pros. I think, it's, it's starting to to ignite a lot more women, and I think there will be some more stars coming up. I mean, for instance, her first fight against Franchon Cruz—that was a
2: hell of a fight.
1: That girl could really fight. Yeah, that was Cruz. a good fight.
2: Yeah, I
1: she, think there's other yeah. there's other girls like her.
2: Now if she moves down to middleweight, and she faces the likes of Christina Hammer, like I mentioned. She could face a Kelly Reese yeah. who is an, also a very tough opponent. Uh, And let's say that we see Clarissa Shields winning these fights anyways, on paper before the fight, but if they turn out to be entertaining fights, then it doesn't bother me that she ends up winning as long as they're entertaining fights. And as long as we think she's Mm going to win before the fight, as long as it's an entertaining fight, which I believe can be so against Kelly Rice because they're both – you know, Clarissa, one thing that we've seen in her three fights is that she likes to fight. There's no boxing – I mean, there's boxing, but it's not, you know, it's not uh, – you know, she's not – Yeah, she's not moving laterally. She's not looking not to engage. She wants to engage, and that's one thing that is good. And, you know, the Kelly Reese's of the world. Also, there's a a fight in the U.K., Kelly Morgan, who is the silver middleweight champion for the WBC, could also be a great fight. Another fight we also mentioned. She hasn't fought lately, and hopefully she's coming back soon. Raquel Miller out of the Bay Area of California could be also a name. But if she were to move down a super welterweight, I think that's where we're going to see some real good fights. Uh, for Clarissa if you yeah. could do it by, by next year where we will see the champion Iwa Petroska of Poland uh, who is the WBC Super Welterweight Champion but we also have the likes of Oxandia Castillo a very experienced fighter we have Ana Gabriel who is a very tough experienced fighter who we mentioned and she's the WBO WBA Champion we have Michaela Lauren. A little bit long in the tooth, but also a very experienced fighter. We have Alicia Napoleon, another American based fighter out of the New York area. LaCondra Jones, who is promoted by Mayweather Promotions, also a great fight. So, and then, you know, there's great fights at, at that 154 pound uh, divisions where we could keep seeing Clarissa Shields. All those n- names that I just mentioned will be great Showtime fights, TV fights, you know, with names oh, yeah. and with storylines. So, if, and Martin,
1: there's also people like uh, Cecilia Brakes moving up one division.
2: While be, even yeah, moving four. up one division. That would be tough. Yeah, because Layla McCarthy, I mean, comp- next to, to – I mean, and I know that Layla McCarthy would do it all day long. I have no no uh, no uh, uh, doubt of that. But as far as the physical – because if she's moving down to 154 from 168, and, and we've seen that Clarissa Shields is a big girl. When she rehydrates the next day, if she, would, were, were, if she were to wither down to 154 and then rehydrating by the next day, she's going to be a big girl in that ring uh, compared to Leila McCarthy. Oh, yeah. yeah
1: Leila's a uh, skillful fighter, though.
2: Yeah. Now, your thoughts, which was actually a surprise to me, and this was announced a couple of weeks ago, Clarissa Shields signing to... Salida Promotions, um, which is a, it's, you know, it's ran by a former fighter, uh, Dimitri Salida, out of the Detroit area. Obviously, the logical reasoning behind that is because she's from Flint, Michigan. She's been fighting in Detroit. It makes sense that the Detroit-based fighter is a promoter because they will be able to promote her in Detroit, um, where her next fight's going to be on August 4th. But there are bigger names that have, that have, you know, they have said that they were interested in her. One being Golden Boy Promotions. Oscar Dalia told me personally in an interview that I did with, uh, with him back in April that one of the fighters right. that she, he was really interested in, in, in talking to was Clarissa Shields. I would imagine that Lou DeBella, who might have a close relationship with Mark Taffin, both being former HBO employees and Mm -hmm. who Bella also has a a number of females, including Amanda Serrano in his stable, would also be interested in Clarissa Shields. What's the reasoning, besides geographical, that she was signed to Salido Promotions, David?
1: Oh, well, I I think it's basically what what you mentioned earlier uh, today, in that they're trying to build a home base of, someplace where she can fight in front of her, her hometown fans and then go from there. Because they know at this point they're still trying to build her uh, into a brand. Um, she Even though she won two Olympic gold medals, it's still a so, slow process because the, the Americans are not used to female fighters. They're just not. So it's got to be a slow process. They figure Dimitri Salida is a very, very smart businessman. That's one thing that a lot of people don't know about him. He's very, very smart when it comes to promoting. And uh, he knows how to handle uh, Detroit. He's, he's actually from Brooklyn, and yet he went to Detroit and he became their number one promoter. That's tells you what kind of uh, smartness he has.
2: But you don't think that if Golden Boy, per se, would have picked her up, they wouldn't be able to do the same thing that they're doing with Esparza and basically putting her on their big shows? I mean, Esparza fought on... Her pro pro fight was on ESPN. Her her second fight was on the undercard of Canelo, Julio Cesar Chavez. And her third fight is going to be on the undercard in Vegas on uh, Gennady Golovkin against Saul Canelo Alvarez. So wouldn't it make sense if she would have gone, if Clarissa would have gone with Golden Boy, that they would have done the same with her and even gotten even more of attention, being that it is Clarissa Shields?
1: Yeah, I think I think it makes perfect sense what you're saying, but I think uh I mean, I'm just taking a guess because I don't really know for sure, but maybe Golden Boy only wanted to to have one female fighter. That seems to be uh-huh. the case with all the promoters. Nobody except for Debella is willing to 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 bank on more than one female fighter. Debella has what four or five, mm-hmm. six Heather, yeah, but everybody else has one. Yeah.
2: Yes. And I agree with you. Everybody and I agree won. with you at one, I agree with you at that point, which makes sense. And that's the 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 sense that I get from talking to not only Oscar de La Hoya about Marlene Sparta, but also the president of Golden Boy Promotions, who we actually had here on our last show on May eleventh, uh, Eric Gomez. And that's the sense that we get that that they're kinda like filling out the waters, they're putting in their toe in the female fight world. Obviously Golden Boy Promotions being in the fight mm-hmm. game for a while, but only, quote unquote, because there's different stories there, signing their first fighter in Marlene Esparza, but if the second fighter that you pick up, is Clarissa Shields, you might want to jump into that pool, fairly quickly, because it's not just anybody, it's Clarissa Shields.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree, I agree, Clarissa is a very, very good fighter, I mean, to me, she's a slam dunk, she's gonna, go far, um, but, uh, I mean, some people just aren't willing to gamble. Uh, Look what happened with uh, Maricella and Ring Star, uh, Richard Shaper's group. Uh, they had her, and then all of a sudden they let her go, and uh, they just told them that it wasn't going to work out.
2: So and, they had uh, her. That was a big They shock. had her with they had her with a signed contract, and then they released her.
1: Well, I don't know if they they signed her the a contract or not, uh, it, but they had told her that you know they were they were going to sign her, and then they were just told recently that uh, Richard Shaper actually told them that they were no longer interested. Mm. Interesting. That interesting. Was, uh, yeah, that, because they did have, have her. Have,
2: they did have her fight on one of his cards, which was April ninth in uh, LA, which you were you were there.
1: Yes, exactly. Mm. And
2: it was kind of a shock. Yeah, and, and especially with, coming from Richard Schaefer, who we all know is, was the CEO, the president of Golden Boy Promotions for quite some time before they had that falling out. And he's very, uh, a very shrewd businessman and somebody that's willing, that is a, able to, to kind of see uh, upcoming trends. And I find it hard to believe that he wouldn't see a future in female boxing when Clarissa Shields is going to be financial time with what we've seen this year so far from female boxing. Um, so I kind of I would want to pick his brain of what are the telltale signs that he sees that even though everybody else is looking at a female boxing upswing in the United States, he's actually not seeing it.
1: Yeah, maybe, um, maybe there are other reasons that he didn't want to um, uh, continue with them Maybe it's because uh, he saw that financially it didn't, wasn't worth worth the risk because basically all he has is new fighters. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have any really established fighters. And uh, that that could be it. I'm only guessing. But I was uh, surprised because he, he was one of the few that always believed in female boxing.
2: Yeah. Now, speaking of uh, Marlene Esparza, we touched on that. Uh, she She's... She's very outspoken, 27, 20 years old, so she's very, she's mature. Uh, she knows what she's doing uh, inside and outside the ring, obviously, with her many sponsorships and everything. And right now it looks like she's trying to pick a fight against a uh, L.A.-based fighter by the name of Cinesa Estrada, very popular here in Southern California, uh, just recently moved up to, I believe, 8-0 and with a first-round knockout of Rachel Seizov, who was, um, ironically, Marlene Esparza's pro-debut opponent, which she went four rounds with. Estrada knocked her out in about 30 seconds. And they started a little bit of a Twitter war where it actually wasn't even a Twitter war because Estrada didn't participate, but a member of her team did, uh, answering Esparza's call to a fight. They've been going back and forth in video interviews and things like that. And, you know, everybody's hoping that this fight gets made. Many have mentioned, um, you know, perhaps on the undercard of Gennady Golovkin against Saul Canelo Alvarez, although I believe this fight should happen in a Southern California area. David, you know a little bit more of this feud because they actually, this feud kind of goes back into the amateurs. Oh, yes.
1: It goes way back in the amateurs. Uh, according to uh, Timostrata, um, they never fought each other at Emerson, even though they were in the, the same uh, period of time. And uh, they said that every time it was they were about to match, Esparza uh, would pull out. That's what they claimed. I, I don't know for sure. But uh, they said every time uh, there was a possibility that uh, Sunisa was going to be facing uh, Marlon in the brackets, uh, Esparza would suddenly pull up, and so they never fought as amateurs. Uh, Sanisa Estrada actually did win a national title, and um, as an amateur, and um, they never faced each other. And, and hopefully, they were they were trying to face each other as pros. Um, I don't see any reason why uh, Estrada's team wouldn't uh, want to fight Esparza. Uh, I'm sure they're probably negotiating. As we speak.
2: Well, hopefully they are because it would be a a, uh, a uh, somewhat of a, a I mean it would be a, a big profile fight as far as I mean, it's a shame though that it would be on on that undercard because obviously as we all know the tickets for that for that fight card are comp- uh, they're almost impossible to to get so for all of us that are into uh, female boxing and we follow it. It would be quite possibly a a hard fight to uh, to attend. You know, the only best thing that we could that we could get will be, you know, and more than likely they would be streaming it on 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 Facebook and on yeah. uh, and, and other uh, their social platforms. Yeah, Ring TV Live and all that. So that would be something that we're looking forward to. But I I think that fight quite possibly would be a better match as far. For TV, like in the Southern California region, now that Marlene Esparza is living in the Bay Area of California and training up there with Virgil Hunter, for it to be on ESPN, which I don't see why ESPN wouldn't be interested in that storyline which you just gave us, and what they've done in the pros, both being undefeated and, 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 and this whole beast that's been going on between them.
1: I was told by, uh, well, I think there's somebody in Goldberg told me that on her contract, it was stated that she gets to fight on the Canelo card. Mm. So that's, that's what she wants. She wants to fight on the Canelo card to raise her own profile. And so if the fight with Sinisa Estrada does happen, it's going to be on that card. You know, and it's
2: funny because – Yeah, but, but I think it would be bigger on ESPN like in her pro debut. And I'm going to tell you why, because mm-hmm. I think it's funny that they, that they look – at that they look after this type of stuff? Because you were there at the Julio Cesar Chavez-Canelo fight uh, in May, and, and uh, Esparza fought under. How many people were in the arena when Esparza fought? I mean, I was there too. How uh, would not, you?
1: Well, it was about what, one-fifth? one-fifth I, don't even
2: think that, I don't even think that many people were there. I think there might have been like 500, 600 people there when she, when she fought Samantha Salazar.
1: Uh, no, I think it was more. I think it was more. It's just, it's such a big place.
2: Yeah it, like a <laughs> yeah, it looks like a cavern.
1: Yeah, it farce. looks like, imagine... like six people.
2: <laughs> but imagine that fight at Fantasy Springs, at Fantasy Springs uh, out there in Indio on an ESPN card. Um, imagine that. I mean, I would even say Belasco, but I think that fight's a little bit too big for um, Estrella TV, which I don't even think is happening anymore, huh? I haven't heard anything going on there. Uh so, uh,
1: yeah, I think they still have a, a play of TV.
2: Really? Um, well, I mean, I would see that fight at, at, at Fantasy Springs, uh, Cortina, in, in Indio, on, on an ESPN card, uh, the opening bout on uh, on ESPN. So, I mean, hopefully, hopefully, all I'm asking for is they put it on a platform where the most amount of people can see it, and I think it would be ESPN yeah. over over uh, Ring TV or streaming it on their Facebook, Facebook. Um, um, uh, platform. Now now one thing that we do need to touch on before we move on to our upcoming calendar on the final stretch here of the two-minute round is a mismatch that I mentioned between Seneza Estrada and Rachel Sazov Rachel Sazov out of the East Coast makes sense to be the, the, the opponent for Marlene Esparza in her pro debut Marlene Esparza coming off a, a great run as an amateur bronze medalist in 2012 Olympics but obviously making that transition which Terry Moss touched on as far as the style, also not fighting with headgear with smaller gloves, there's something that, that, that needs to be – that you, you need to make that jump from the amateurs with the headgear and the bigger gloves to the pro ranks with the no headgear with all the people and with the TV cameras in front of you and the smaller gloves. So Rachel Sazov being the opponent for uh, Marlene Esparza's pro debut, uh, an opponent that, that really wasn't bringing anything to the table um, – Makes sense to a certain extent, right? But for her to be an opponent for an 8 0 experience, pro, pro fight experience, Senes Estrada, it just doesn't make sense. You know, now, does it say anything, David, to you that Estrada was able to knock her out in 30 seconds, whereas Esparza went um, the full uh, four rounds? I mean, the only thing that says to me is that, you know, Estrada caught her with a good punch because Estrada is not known as a knockout artist either. I mean, in eight in nine fights now, that was only her second knockout. So, what what does that tell you about that fight? Well,
1: what it tells me is that when uh, Marlon fought Rachel Seizop, um, you know nobody knew anything about Rachel Saizov. But after that fight, well, the whole world knew that Rachel Saizov was not any kind of you know fighter. So. Going in, I mean, I knew there was nothing going to be coming back at her.
2: So she just mm. went in full bore. So she went full bore. That, yeah. That an advantage. Advantage. Yeah. And, and it's no secret either that Valencia Barça, quite honestly, at this point where she's making a transition from amateur to, to pro, maybe she's not, she has, she's not sitting on her punches. She hasn't learned exactly. how to, to produce power from her punches because the amateur, uh, amateur boxing is quite different. It's more about point scoring. Whereas in professional boxing is about punishing your opponent. So maybe she has not yeah. learned yet to, to, to put some power behind those punches. Whereas Estrada with eight fights under her belt, she has. you know, she has. So she's probably hitting a little bit harder, but not, but she's, but she's not considered at all. I'm not artist because she went six hard rounds with, uh, Uh, Selena Lopez back in uh, April of 2016 whereas Kenny Enriquez who quite honestly hits hard knocked her out in a minute so
1: yeah there's a difference
2: you know so there is a difference so you know I find it hard to believe that the California State Athletic Commission who is quite strict uh, as far as their matches was Approve an uh, eight and zero fighter facing an zero an and three fighter uh, in that fight.
1: Yeah, it was. Uh, I'm, I, I'm sure they weighed the two things. They saw that Rachel went the distance with Marlon. They saw that Samantha only had one knockout. They figured, oh, it's a safe fight.
2: Yeah, and, and it looked like the the uh, the the referee. She pretty much pulled the plug as soon as. Uh, I ended up landing that second hard punch on her. But now coming up, we only got 22 minutes left on the show here on the two-minute round, the Hooks and Jabs look at the female fight world here on our new platform, which is blocktalkradio.com forward slash two-minute round. And obviously on all our, of our um, social uh, – on all the podcast apps out there, Stitcher and, and Podcast for iPhone and Google Play for um, – for the Androids. Also, you can find us at facebook.com forward slash 2-Minute Round or on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash 2-Minute Round. This show is every other week here on, uh, on Block Talk Radio, and our next show is scheduled for July 13th. But let's move on to our upcoming calendar, Saturday, July 1st from France. Jelena Moranovic versus Stephanie Ducasto in a 10-rounder. Uh, Miranovic will be defending her WBA, WBC featherweight title. She's a friend of the show. She's been her, he, on the show before. David, I was kind of surprised because we didn't, I didn't hear anything about it. You know, all of a sudden I go on Instagram and I see the WBC announcing it, but I hadn't yeah. seen Jelena mention it or anything. So I don't know if this was like a last-minute thing. Did you know anything about this?
1: It was very low-key. Yes, I, I, I knew about it last week. Uh, I think I saw it on Jelena's uh, Facebook or, or Instagram, one or the other. And, um, mm. yeah, I mean, she's finding a decent girl. The the, the French have really uh, come up the last couple of years. Uh, yeah. I don't know if, if, if she's in the same uh, level as
2: uh, Jelena, but um, not not many you never know. Yeah, yeah not yeah, many are at that level. level. Yeah. Well, this is the second fight in a row for Jelena in France. Her last fight, she went out there and she fought an undefeated fighter. Ended up, I think, going the distance with her. And now she's fighting Stephanie yeah. Ducastel. Um So this is going to be this Saturday from France. Hopefully we get a stream on the internet. And also the same night in Germany, Eva Vorderberger will be defending her WBC silver Bantamweight title against Alexandra Lactados, Her being the silver champion, we may, we may be seeing her against... Uh, Another fighter that we're going to mention in a little bit, actually, well, actually, uh, well, actually in the same night, July 1st, this Saturday night, Lourdes La Pequeña Lulu Juarez, the sister uh, Mariana Juarez, will be facing Anaí Torres in an eight rounder at Flyway that's going to be on Televisa. That should be good. In, in, yeah, in Mexico. She started to pick up the level of her opponents. Anaí Torres, her record is not that great. Um,
1: her oh, record sure. is not
2: that great on paper, but she's a tough fighter. Um, now, Friday, July 7th in Florida, Noemi Bosquez will be facing Sonia Osorio, a tough Mexico City fighter in the six-rounder at Super Flyweight. And on Saturday, July 8th, Mariana Labarbi-Juarez, the current WBC Bantamweight champion, will be, scheduled, will be defending her title against Japan's Terumi Nuki. So maybe if Eva Vorberger comes out victorious this Saturday and Mariana comes out victorious in her fight, Maybe we could see them facing each other now that ever since Everett Borger is the bantamweight silver champion. But but I'm getting strong, strong rumors that Mariana's next fight, if she comes out victorious against the Japanese Terumi Nuki on July 8th in Mexico on Televisa, she may be facing none other than Jackie Nava on August 19th somewhere in Mexico. That fight is being talked about right now as we speak.
1: I'm guessing that would be a catch weight.
2: I'm guessing. Uh, yeah, I think, they, I think the, the, the weight that they're talking about is 120, meaning that Mariana Juarez would actually go up two pounds from the Bantamweight division, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, uh, and uh, Jackie Nava will be going down two pounds from her super Bantamweight division. So we'll see. I'm sure that if they come up to an, an agreement, we'll be, we'll be hearing about it fairly quickly after this Mariana Juarez fight. Um, and lastly, in the, uh, oh, also on that July 8th fight on the undercard of Mariana Juarez, former WBF champion and former world title challenger Isla, is, Isabel La Estrella Millán is going to be facing Leticia Uribe in a six-rounder at Super Flyweight. I actually spoke to her earlier today on Facebook, and she mentioned that if she feels good, she's going to stay in the Super Flyweight division. And she's going to campaign in the Super Flyweight division after being the WBF Flyweight champion. Um, and lastly from on Wednesday, july twelfth, in China, Zong Yu Kai will be facing Gretchen Abaniel in a ten rounder. She was going to be defending her IBF strawweight title. China's getting into it. Yeah, China's getting into it. And there you go, folks. Here we go. We've reached the end. The end of the two minute round here on our new platform, blogtalkradio.com forward slash two minute round. Follow us on your podcast app, make sure you add us on there, you subscribe, make sure you follow us on Twitter to uh, get all your female boxing news. And also when we're going to go live next, also you can find us on facebook.com forward slash two minute round for more news. And also for uh, updates on our next show, David, you got anything else to close with?
1: No, everything's good. Everything's good. Looking forward to the next show. It's been a
2: while. Yeah, it's been a while, but we got we we shook off the rust, and now we're gonna be back on July thirteenth here, seven p.m. Pacific time, every other week on blocktalkradio.com forward slash two minute round. And with that said, we bid you good night. Good night.